Okay, let's begin our discussion. Parshas Miketz. Um, most of uh, what we will talk about tonight uh, will be Parsha related. We will have one thought at the end, uh, Hanukkah related. As this year, we have uh, two Shabbos Hanukkahs, second one coming up, Parshas Miketz. Uh, but to start off with two, two small thoughts. One is a one-liner, which I might have mentioned in the past, but um, it's a nice thought just to have going to many Hanukkah parties. And that is, Parshas Vayeshev last week, Yosef starts off at the top of the world. He's the favorite, favorite son, the favorite son uh, of Yaakov, and he gets Aksonis Pasim. Yosef is on top of the world, and by the end of the Parsha, he's sitting in jail. Sitting in jail is all the way at the bottom, bottom of the world. This week's Parsha, Yosef starts off in jail, beginning of Miketz, and he ends up the viceroy to the, to the king. What happened? One, he goes all the way up, and the other one, he goes all the way down. So I once heard a shot that Vayeshev... Yosef is busy telling everybody else his own dreams. Miketz, he's listening to other people's dreams. When I'm busy telling everybody else what I think and my dreams and my aspirations, everything about me, where I'm the focus and I put myself at the center, then you could be at the top of the world, you're going down. That's not a successful way to live as a Jew. But all of a sudden, beginning of Miketz, he starts listening to other people's dreams. He's listening to Paro, he's giving him advice. He's being constructive. He starts off at the bottom, he's going to end up at the top. Are we telling people our dreams or are we listening to their dreams? Another also short idea, which is a fascinating ha'ara. Again, a number of answers given. Um, and that is, in most, I checked, ten, I checked uh, a number of chamashim, all except one had this. And that is, if you know, at the end of every parsha in the chamashim, it has a simon related to how many psukim were in that parsha. Right? Begin, um, where is it? At the end of... Taldos. Kuf Vav Psukim. A love simon. It says the number of Psukim and then it says a word that has that gematria. Every parsha has that. The number of Psukim, it, ha- it says how many and then it says a word right, from uh, an earl- early source. And that's what it says almost every parsha. If you look at the end of Parsha's Miketz in this week's parsha, for some reason we have an additional note. So you don't have this any other parsha of the year. Oh, the parsha. Miketz has Kuf Mem Vav. It's 146 Psukim. On the large side, Yechizkiyahu Simin, Amatsya Simin, Yihieli Evet Simin. Right, all various gematrias, and David Feinstein is a whole safer where he figures out um, what exactly is the connection between the word and the parsha. Yihieli Evet. Right, what's the connection between that phrase and Miketz? Or Yechizkiyahu Amatsya. But besides that, by the end of Miketz, after that. It says, Vahatevos Alpayim Chafhe. It tells us the number of words. You don't have that by any other parsha. You always have the number of psukim. And here, for some reason, it also gives us the information for the number of words. Why is that? Where exactly this, this, the source of this comes from, I'm not sure. It's an early, early source in many Hamashim. But why do we have that information? So, they say, B'Shem, the Gra. That may, there's a machlokus in Chazal, one of the words in Miketz, whether it's one word or two words, the word Avrech, that they called uh, Yosef. Avrech, is that one word or two words? So maybe this, they wanted to pask in one way. you got to figure out which way. you got to count up the words. But maybe they wanted to pask in one way. Avrech, so is that one word or two words? Okay. But I saw in the uh, Baruch Sha'amar, which is the Torah Tzvima on Siddur, in source number one, he quotes that maybe it's a connection to Shabbos Hanukkah. We know Parshas Miketz is always Shabbos Hanukkah. Very rarely, I'm not sure exactly how often, would we re- lane the regular Parshas Miketz Haftorah. There is one. 
but uh, it's very rare that we that we ever read it. So he says, if you do the math, Shabbos Hanukkah ner ner is gematria two fifty. Two fifty times eight eight neiros is two thousand plus the twenty chafhei kislev twenty fifty of kislev two thousand twenty five al So hidden. Embedded besides the content, as we know, there's many drushes given about the c- connection between the content of the story of Yosef and Hanukkah, but also just the psukim themselves um, allude to the fact that this is usually Shabbos Hanukkah 2025. That's Ner times eight plus 25 Chafhei Chafhei Okay, that's background. Now let's get to some other other thoughts on the parsha. The first medrash on the parsha which many of you, many of the Mepharshim discuss. Uh, it's quoted here. I gave it to you in the Klayakar, in source, in source number two. Start off with the Klayakar, first one on the Parsha. Fahimi Yamimu is at the end of two years. If you remember, we discussed the Beis Halevi on this, on this Medrash, on this Pasuk uh, last year. Feel free to, to listen again. But here he says, Lafi, Since it didn't say, these were the end of two years of what? It just says it was the end of two years and Parah had a dream. The end of two years to what? So Chazal say it was two years that Yosef was in jail. Yosef had to be locked up for two years more than he was supposed to. Because Yosef shouldn't have at the end of last week's Parsha to, at the end of, I'm sorry, at the end of, right, at the end of last week's Parsha, as the Sarah Mashkim and Sarah Ophim were taken out, he said, you know what? Remember who gave you that good, that good interpretation? Remember me! Yosef should have just davened. Okay, it's hard for us to imagine, to understand. Aren't you supposed to have a shtavlus? We should try to tr- get out as much as we can, but at least on Yosef's level, Chazal say, it wasn't appropriate for him to go through those kinds of means, relying on people. He should have directly relied on a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And the Medrash quotes a Pasuk from Tehillim. Shene'emar, Ashrei HaGever Asher Sam Hashem Miftacho, praiseworthy is the person that places Hashem as his Miftach, as his security, Bitachon in Hashem, Velo Pana El Rahavim. And they don't turn, the person who has Bitachon does not turn to Rahavim. What does the word Rahavim mean? Hard word to translate. Arrogant ones. Elo HaMitzriyim Shenikru Rahav. These are the Egyptians that are called Rahath. What exactly is the message of this Pasuk, asks the Klayakar, uh, and how does it relate to Yosef? What do you mean, Asher Sam Hashem? He places Hashem. Should play, trust in Hashem, not trust God. We trust in God. We trust in God, in the power of God. Seems to be something deeper, says the Klayakar. And then he says, what exactly is, uh, continues, why they call Rahavim and not their general name of Egyptians. It says the Klayakar, an important point in general. And he relates it to, to Yosef. Classic Klayakar, line 9. Naturally in the world, if somebody has a certain talent, somebody has a certain skill that they don't have, that their friends don't have, they're better than their friends in a certain area. I'm not even going to mention 
those who are below me, those who are lower than me. You know, maybe I'll put, talk about people who are higher than me. I say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a very, I have a lot of, I'm a very, you know, in a certain class of, um, of society, so I'll mention all those fancy people that are above me that I've met. But anybody below me, no, it's, they're just below. If anybody has a certain mile in life, we're not, they don't mention, they don't want to associate with those in the lower class. And they don't want to lift the name on their lips from somebody because they are so haughty. This is one of the philosophical views of God. Again, most philosophers agree that God created the world. How did the world just happen? What was it an explosion? The Big Bang? If you think about it logically, it's impossible. Because usually when there's an explosion, what happens after an explosion? There's a big mess. There's an explosion and perfect Savior came out and nature was created and a human being was created and all the unbelievable uh, miracles that take place in our bodies every single every single moment and the, and the large intestine and the small intestine, the whole body and the whole nature just happened. So most believe that there was a God at some point. But the philosophers say, Lemar says the Kleyakar, He is so awesome. He's so infinite. What does he care about us for anymore? He's a bore, but because he is so high, he's not a mashkiach. God is amazing, but he's so amazing, he can't relate. He created the world, but he doesn't, he's not involved. And to be mevatel, this terrible view. Nemar, what does it say at the beginning of Shmuel Aleph? Don't speak. What does that mean? What's the language of don't speak? Says the Klayaka Ratzalomar. Don't say and don't think. The fact that Hashem is so high up. Don't say that He doesn't know anything about what we're doing. Another, again, the Pasuk, don't talk high up. Don't think that God, Hashem, is so high, He's not going to be involved in the world. Why? Second half of the Pasuk, God is a knowing God. He knows everything. Every action is in front of Him. How do you know this? What's a beautiful remez that is clear in front of us that we see? That God is involved, God the Great, the Gavoa Gavoa is involved in the low. But we say it in Hallel. Magbi, right? Makimi, me off our dog. God is involved. But he says, amazing. To show us and to verify and to, and to make known that Hashem, the Great, is always involved in the lowly. If you take the name Yud Kei Vav Kei, Yud, Hey, and Vav, those letters, and you spell them out, Yud, Yud Vav Dalit, or Hey is Hey Aleph, Vav is Vav Vav, there are no other letters in the Aleph base that if you spell it out, you'll get such a little gematria. Hey, Hey, right, Samach, that's a huge gematria. Samach, Mem, Chaf, right, Taf, 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 right, everyone, Everything is huge. Right? Even Aleph. 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 Lamed Fei. 
base has a tough in there. Gimel a seven seventy two. Yud, hey, it's the smallest gematria, and that's Shem Hashem. Says the Klayakar, that's to allude and hint to us that even though Gavoah, Gavoah, Kodesh Baruch Hu, the infinite, but he rests among the small and the lowly. When you write them in full, you don't find such letters that are, that are found and so small. And that's what the Gemara in Megillah says. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, line 19. In the same exact place that you see Hashem's godless, what does Yud Kevavke mean? He was, is, and will be. That name symbolizes his godless, the infinite power in that name itself. There you see his humility, because that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he says, even in the shorter name of Hashem, Yud and Hey, it's even smaller. And then he says, next paragraph, Mahut Hashem Agadol, the name of God itself, who mofes ubitachon letachtonim, shakarish baruch hu zochram umashkiach b'hem. That itself shows those creatures, us, the humans, just just trust in Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Don't worry about it. Don't trust in people. Trust in Hakadosh. Excuse me. Trust in Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Shaloye pischon per. Don't think. Elamaarer. Don't don't give give um give any credence to those who complain and say shalagoda remuso yisbaruch hazav Hashem b'ta'aretz. Hashem left. No, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is not like that. He's not like human beings who hold themselves higher and don't associate with the lowly. Right? Right? What, what the, the Kutzker say? There's nothing more shalim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu than a broken heart. Somebody who's broken, somebody who's shavur. That's not who HaKadosh Baruch Hu rests with. Kimahus, where it's underlined. Kimahus Hashem HaGadol V'Katnuso Hu Mivtacho Shashem Yisbarach Mitchaber L'Shvalim says the Kleyakar, he says, maybe that's the Pshat in the Pasuk. Ashriya Gever, Asher, Shem Hashem Ivtacho, the name of God, the name of Yudke Vavgi itself is the, is the Bitachon. That's the Pasuk that Chazal used by Yosef because that's the, that's the true message. Shem Hashem is what reflects that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us and He doesn't leave us. And that's Vloponel, Rahavim and Rahavim are those Mitzrayim who don't believe in this, who feel like once you get to a certain level you can't associate Paro didn't, wouldn't even show let anybody see him go him, he's going to the bathroom he went every morning right so that's that's the um, that's what we have here by Yosef Chazal saying should have relied on HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not relied on people okay continuing let's read a Rashi read a Rashi we might have touched on this question last year but we'll Going to analyze it a little bit more in depth now. Perak Mem Aleph, Pasik Ches. Mem Aleph Ches. Well known question. Paro tells his dreams to the interpreters of Egypt. And Pasik Ches, Vayhiva Boker Vatipaim Rucho, Paro is very upset. Vayishlach, Vayikraz, Kochartumim, Mitzrayim, as Kochachameha, he calls to all of the Khartumim, all of the wise. Vayisaper Paro, Lamet Chalomo, he tells them his dreams. Ve'ain poter otam lefaro, and there is no one to interpret them for Paro. So Chazal already pick up on there's an extra word in the pasuk. Paro has dreams and there's nobody to interpret them. Period. What's that last word in the pasuk? Ve'ain poter otam lefaro. Ve'ain poter otam. There's nobody who who um, who who, know, who could interpret them. What's that extra word lefaro? So says Rashi. Ve'ain poter otam lefaro. 
Potri, we always have to ask, what's Rashi bothered by? That's Rashi's question. That last word is extra. So Rashi says, Potrima yuotam avalola paro. There were interpretations, but not to paro, meaning paro didn't like any of the interpretations. Shaloha yukola nechnas peinav. Their voices did not enter his ears. He did not accept any of their interpretations. And he did not have any satisfaction with their interpretations. Why? What they say? Seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, seven big weeds, seven daughters you're going to have and they're all going to die. So, he didn't like that interpretation. Yosef comes along... Seven fat, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, da da da. Power's like, ah, oh, wonderful. The question is, what's the difference between Yosef's interpretation and Power's interpretation? They both sound somewhat far fetched. Oh, is there more of a connection? Fat, plenty, okay. But still, what, what made Paro reject all of the interpretations of his interpreters? And Yosef's he accepted. Three ideas. Three ideas in the Farshim, in the Achronim. What was the difference between the interpreters' suggestions, which we have one example of the daughters being born and dying, and Yosef's interpretation? So we have a Meshachachma to start off. It says the Meshachachma in source number three. First Meshachachma on the Parsha. Hinei. Hama'ayein bechalamos paro. If somebody analyzes and looks closely, at the dreams of Paro. Yireh, he will see, and the Meshachachma, always, he picks up on nuances in the Psukim themselves that, just read the Psukim. Many times we just like rush to the Rashi, we rush to the Mepharshim, which is wonderful. But we also sometimes have to read the Psukim themselves. And the Meshachachma always picks up on, on, on words that are there or left out. And here again. Hine ha'ma'ayan b'chalamos Paro. If somebody analyzes the dreams of Paro, Yireh, it will be seen. Ki ba paros nizkar by the cows. It says v'hinei sheva paros acheros v'chulu v'tamoda itzal paros. It says they were fat cows and the skinny cows came out and they stood next to each other, and then the fat cows were eaten by the skinny cows. Ubeshibalim lochasav kain by the stalks by the bundles. It did not say that they were next to each other. By the cows, it said they were next to each other. Why? What does that symbolize? Paro, when he told over the dreams, if you look in the Pesukim, he didn't mention this detail, that they were next to each other. But Yosef is, in his interpretation, related to this detail that Paro knew that he had left out. But he sees that Yosef interprets his dream even according to this detail. That's going to be the answer to our question. Uba Yosef Yosef comes with Ruach HaKodesh. He knew the dream. The Amar, and he says, It's all about what God's going to do. And that's why he doubled it. He doubled it with cows and bundles. And what does the, 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 the fact that they stood next to each other? What is that? Well, how should that be interpreted? What's the message? It reflects an action that Paro must take now. During the years of plenty, you have to do something to help you survive, to help you to survive in the years of famine. So while they are parallel, even in the years of plenty, you got to save up 
so that in the years of famine you have left over. When the fat cows are standing there, the skinny cows are already standing there two next to them. That's what's meant. That was meant by that detail that Pyro left out. They're already standing there. You already have to plan. They collected. They already had to prepare. That was the detail. They stood next to each other. And that's what Pyro says. Yeah, and that's why he even adds, Yere Paru Ishchacham Bechulu. That's why a question we're not dealing with now, but we discussed it a little bit last year. Who, did Paru ask Yosef for advice? Right, Yosef said, you should appoint, appoint somebody very, very wise to take care of everything. Right, so he didn't ask. Paru didn't ask him for advice. Famous question again, well, what gave Yosef the authority to do that? But it's part, according to the Meshachach, it's part of the plan. He said, you have to appoint somebody because during these seven years, that's what that means. The fat cows and the skinny cows, because you have to plan during the fat years for the skinny years. But that's why, says Yosef, that detail wasn't repeated, ki amdu etzlan, in the bundles, yan kizet mi pu'ulos paro, shut sarich la'asot. What was repeated, what God was going to do. Right? This details about what you have to do, Paro. So it's not repeated. So Paro says, Now I see that Yosef is the man. Because he explained even the detail that I left out. He explained that he tells me what to do and why it was only repeated this detail in the first dream and not in the second dream. Paro goes above and beyond what he even knows. Yosef goes above and beyond what he even knows. And therefore, it's Nichnas La'aznam Shaparo. That is first approach why Yosef's interpretation was, was more accepted. Continuing, second idea, second out of three, and that's from, Saver, I don't think we've touched on yet, the Nachlas Tzvi. Nachlas Tzvi is from, it's a Tzvi Gross, in, uh, called Saver Nachlas Tzvi. So he also asks the same question. Same question, why is it that uh, Paro trusted Yosef's dreams and not and not the uh, Yosef's interpretations and not the others. Says the Nachlasvi on the third line. De Paro hevin mize. Paro understood. Shachalom nishne pa'amayim. Why was it said twice? Why did he have his dream twice? She'ein hachalom hazeh sovev al atzmo. Paro says, I have a lot of dreams and they all relate to my life. All of a sudden, I have this dream twice, the same message. It must be that this dream is of national import. It must be that this dream is is larger than me. And that's why I had it twice. Regular dreams is about, about, our, about us, about our life. Some, something about that happened that day, something that's going to happen tomorrow. Paro realizes that there's something very important and something national about these dreams. If it was about his personal life, one dream is all you need. The cows of the bundles. Paro realizes one message. He realizes not two separate dreams. The fact that it was said it twice. He realizes that it's something that's important. He told them, Milas es, what do you mean he told them? Es chalomo. Es lorabos ba'a. Hainu shamalam kefia vanaso. Shazachalomu inyanachad. It's one dream. And what they say, you power, you're going to have seven daughters and you're going to bury them. 
Tara says, no, you're missing the point. The Afapikim in Patroso Sheva Bonos at the Molin. Shabbat at the Kovesh. Petron Zeno Gale of Nain Bachuso. So Tara says it can't be. It can't be. Only when Yosef says his interpretation, and that is national destiny, what Tara needs to do on behalf of his people. Power says that was must be the case. Number two, power realized the importance of these dreams, and therefore only um, only Yosef is nechnas Okay, that's the nachlas svi, the nirbatarav. By the way, that's what the the nachlas svi. Is that nameshachachma nachlas svi? And finally, one more. It's been a couple of weeks. We haven't ever had a rav zevin. So it's about time. What Torah v'lamoadim says Rav Zevin. Chalom Paro v'chalom Shlomo. Paro had dreams, and Shlomo had dreams. Afapisha lashon echan neemar bishnehem. Even though the same lashon is used by both of them, vayikat Paro v'hinei chalom, vayikat Shlomo v'hinei chalom. Same lashon used. Mikom akom hevdel gadogesh benehem. There's a major difference between between this. Various types of dreams, says Rav Zevin. Ketzad, Shlosha Chalamosein. Three types of dreams. Aleph, number one. Chalom shel dvarim betelemum uvutalem she'en behemamash. There are dreams that are total nonsense. Right? Sometimes we have dreams involving, I don't know, elephants, involving uh, many strange phenomenon, and they're nonsense. There are dreams like that. The Gemara Bracha says, so one type of dream is just nonsense. Right? Different types of dreams about different different stages of the night. We have different types of dreams. The ones that are that certain stages we remember, certain or not. Remember, my wife once gave a lecture about the different types of dreams of the different uh, different types of uh, different sleep. Uh, the the depths of how 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 far we get into the sleep. Okay, but one type is total nonsense. Base. Chalom shehu emes v'nachon k'moshehu. Beli mishalim u'beli petronot. Second type of dream is a clear vision. It's not a metaphor. It's not a mashal. It's a vision. Exactly what? It's a message from God. It's a dream. That's the other extreme. So on the one hand, you have total nonsense. On the other hand, you have clarity. Let's say all the neviim besides Moshe Rabbeinu. Bachalom, they saw Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So that type of chalom, they have to interpret it. But it's it's, uh, it's not like Moshe Rabbeinu, which was even wasn't chalom. But the Torah contrasts it. And number three, chalom shehu kimimutsa ben shaim harishonim. Something in the middle. It has a true message, but you got to interpret it. Who ms avalok moshehu elahu kemashal hazakuk lenimshal remez haton pesher. It needs interpretation. So now, Shlomo had a nevuah. Shlomo had a nevuah. Ms kemoshehu. He didn't asati lechal leiv chacham benavon asher kamocha lohay lefanecha. Kadosh Baruch Hu says to Shlomo, "These are the gifts that I'm giving you. I'm giving you chachma." That that was it. That was pure clarity, clarity of vision. But by Paro, Mashenke mechalom Paro. That was number three. Number three. It was a message. That was clo- that was clothed in a metaphor, but now says Rav Zevin, even within category three, there are two types. Even where there's a dream that 
is a metaphor from God and has to be interpreted, there are two types. One type of dream is, this is what's going to happen. Information, nothing required on your part. Figure it out and this is what's going to occur. But then there's a very different type of dream. I'm giving you information because I want you to do something. And you need to act upon it. That's a different type of dream. And that was the difference between the dream, the interpretations of the Khartoumim and the interpretations of Yosef. Because Pyro goes to the Khartoumim. What does this mean? And they give him interpretations and they basically don't give Paro anything to do. This is what's going to happen. Paro says, I don't need interpretations like that. I don't need you to tell me something that's totally out of my control. Why is God telling me then? He's telling me something and I'm not going to do anything? Okay, seven daughters. I'm going to bury them all. That doesn't help me in life, says Paro. So he doesn't accept it. I need an interpretation that gives me a direction. I need an interpretation that tells me this is what God wants from me. Yosef did that. This is what's going to happen and this is what you got to do. And Paro says, oh, that's what I need. Because when a Kaddish Baruch Hu talks to a person, even a Paro, it's very depressing and it's like, it's, it's handcuffing to say, okay, this is what's going to happen, period. You can't do anything about it. Paro needs to hear, this is what's going to happen and this is how you could somewhat control the situation. That's why he accepted it. On the bottom, Abel Yosef Patar Shabachalom Hodi'u Malav Lasos. And that's why he gave him the advice. Because that's exactly what Paro wanted to hear. And Rav Zevit even continues, this doesn't only apply to dreams. Maybe this applies to life as well. And the different messages we, we take in life. Source number seven, he continues, Shalosh hashkafot olam tevel. There are three outlooks, world outlooks that people can have. Paralleling the three outlooks on the dreams. Oh, the whole world is nonsense. The whole world is is tovavohu. Yeah, there's no there's no purpose. Do whatever you want. There's no rules. All right, just hefkervelt. The world is hefkervelt. Mashul kecheres anishbar uchetzitz yavesh. Right, playing upon the words of of Unasana Tokef. V'yesh shalochim et olam kemoshu. And some take the world as is. This is it. This is what's given to me. Right? Like like the dreams. This is what's going to happen. Nothing I can do about it. The Torah doesn't believe in either extreme. It's not total nonsense. And it's not such clarity that this is it, period, forever. You can't do anything about it. No. We have, the, we have Yosef's interpretation of the world. This is what it is, but it's for you to act. It's for you to take the message. Lo tohu bara l'shevis yisara. Pasuk says it wasn't created for tohu l'shevis yisara to populate zui shlilas hashkafa arishona. This is going against the first hashkafa, right? The raisi that's lo tohu wasn't lo tohu, and the pasuk continues raisi as kol amasev shnas v'dachas hashemesh v'ineg hakol hevel rus ruach dvar minugadim l'shkafa shnia ha'emesi sheolam hu kachalom hazakuk lebitaron the world. Needs interpretation. There are different messages. There are different messages in interpretation. Sometimes we just have to take the messages. I just heard on a um, 
on a shear by by um, by by the Moel. What's his name? By Rabbi Pesach Kron. I just heard a shear by Rabbi Pesach Kron. It was on uh, it was on uh, so it was on the web. So he told over a story of a woman in the Altaheim in Europe, and um, in a time when the Jews only got there was a certain country they only got one egg per week. One egg per week. They were you go into a store. They had to wear a J, whatever it was. They only got one egg per week. And one time, this one, this one woman, this one wife, she used to make um, a special cake, a special cake for her husband every Shabbos, you know, with his one egg, with his one egg. So one time she did it. It was Friday morning. She cracked open the egg. And it was a blood spot. It was a blood spot. What do I do? I can spoon it out. Nobody will know. What should I do? I'm not sure, but. But I, but he's my house is counting on me. But nobody will ever. But look, I cut stuff up. We don't have any food anyway. Onik Shabbos. But uh, you know you'll want the cake. He'll be upset. But I cut back and forth, back and forth. Finally, let's just forget it. I'm not between me and Kodesh Baruch. I'm throwing out the egg. She throws out the egg. Next Shiloh. Should she use next week's egg for this week? She has four. She gets four eggs a month. Should I do that? Or she gets the four eggs at once for the month. Should I use it now or not? Back and forth. She's like, Look, let me do it now. I'll worry about next week, next week. Who knows what we're going to be next week? She opens up the next egg, two yolks. She says, she took it as a smile from HaKadosh Baruch Smile from HaKadosh Baruch Sometimes we have a chalom. We have a message from HaKadosh Baruch And it, the world is a dream that requires interpretation. But it's the type that requires interpretation that tells us to act upon it. Allah takin ta'olam tovim That's why Paro accepted the dream of the interpretation of Yosef because it told him what to do. It didn't leave him handcuffed. So number one, the Meshachachma says, maybe it's because Yosef interpreted details that he didn't even mention and details that were mentioned only in one part and not the second part. Number two, because Yosef's was about the national and not about the personal. And number three says, it told him what to do. It didn't just give him information. Good. So Paro, when he gets these interpretations, he says, oh, Yosef, there's nobody like you. And what's the statement? Bold-faced in source number eight. Hanimsa kazeh ish asher ruach elokimbo. Oh, is there anybody, you find anybody in the world that has Ruach Elohim in him like this? The Ruach of God. Two thoughts from Yosef Nechemi Kornitzer. The last Rav in Krakow. Yosef Nechemi Kornitzer, one safer on Drushes, one safer on Parsha. So he writes two, two ideas, Alderab Drush. This is Drush, but it comes out with messages for us. Number one, source number eight. Binoeg Sheba Olam. Usually one, this is related to what we said before, actually, from the Klayakar, somebody who has a certain asset, they like to show it. Yosef had a tremendous talent, but he was sitting in jail. Virak al pisiba nifla, but because the Saramashkim remembered no du kishronosav, remembered his talents, the chiruach elokim alav merachefetz, and then the ruach elokim is near him. Zehu hanim zehu, that's the pshat of the pasuk, maybe. Hanimsa isha sheruach elokim lo, the hiatsura bo bekirbo lo yishtado laharosa bachutz. Yosef, what didn't use his talents to show off? 
What happened? In the jail, he saw his friend was upset. He says, why, Panim Zoafim, why, why, is your, why are you not happy? He didn't go around and say, anybody need their dream interpreted? I have a talent. No, no, no. It was hidden in him. And so too with Paro. Paro didn't hear about it until the need came up. So he says, wow, do you see anybody who has Ruach Elohim? Bo, in him. Somebody who has such a talent and they keep it inside and they don't flaunt it? Wow. There's nobody like that. Ruach Elohim, Bo, inside of him. That's unheard of. To have such a talent and to keep it inside. Number one. And then he says, Ozeish Lafarish. Another pshat where he is about to take certain midrashim and turn them on its head from the way that we usually interpret them. Let's see what he says. Ozeish Lafarish. Ksiv, as the Pasuk says, when Yosef is taken out, he gets a haircut, he changes his clothes, paro. I once said, which means somewhat unusual. The wise, the chachamim in every generation. And in earlier generations, There was a certain type of uniform that was worn by chachamim. Certain type of garb. That if you wore this garb, you were a chacham. You were a philosopher. You had a certain level of scholarship that you could wear this. Right? to a white coat. Right? If you're wearing a white coat, you know, there's a certain level of scholarship in medicine. So you're a white, white coat. Sometimes you see somebody's just working in the hospital wearing a white coat. It's like funny. It's like, but you just work here. What you clean? You clean out the, uh, the sinks. What are you wearing the white coat? But because a white coat is a reflection, really, truly, of a certain scholarship. So, so too, Chachamim, at various times in history, says Rav Yosef they, there was a certain garb. The al and therefore sometimes gamborim v'rikim b'lavsham itzdalad Some people who weren't really wise, they wore these coats, and it was it was it was on the outside they looked like the chachamim, but on the inside they weren't. But this was the uniform. The alze amru chazal. This is what chazal even say in Meshach Shabbos. Mipnei matam the chachamim shebavel mitzuyanim mipnei sheinah b'nei Torah. It's even a Gemara, and Rashi explains it there. Why did they wear such special coats? Because really, inside, they weren't B'nai Torah. So they had to make up for it. They had to pretend. So they wore these special uniforms. People would think. So that's an, that's what sometimes happens in certain society. Yosef, therefore, wanted to teach the Egyptians, you can't judge a book by its cover. And you can't judge a person by their dress. Yosef wanted to teach them. You got to look inside. This doesn't mean, obviously, Gemara also says in Masech Hashem, same Masechta, that a Tamar Chacham is not allowed to have a stain on his baguette. He has to dress appropriately, right? But, but in a certain sense, yeah, you can't judge. You can't base your judgment on Chisonius. Your interpreters wear the fancy Egyptian garb for the wise men. You can't trust them. Only in the heart of a Chacham Lev is Chachma there. And he continues now and says, He didn't get the Pshat on the Pasuk yet. We'll get there in a minute. Yosef himself was already burned by focusing on Chitzonius. 
as we know, I did you fight Taro Basal Salo Sairo, Khazal say, last week's Parsha, you started being Masalsa Basairo, what beautiful hair I have. I'll keep Terambolifne Paro, and I'll let the Ashes Potifar. So now he's like, that's not gonna I'm not gonna fall for that again. So what happens? And Xonis Pasim, right, the garb, Xonis Pasim, that he might have flaunted in front of his brothers. He should have hit it. I'll keep Terambolifne Lifne Paro before he comes in front of Paro. You know what he says? I'm going to do something to make sure. Yosef knows what's going to happen. He knows the Ruach Hashem is going to be on him. He's going to give it proper interpretation and they're all going to be impressed. Do you know what he does? He de-emphasizes his chitzonius. What does he do? He gets a haircut. Where do we find haircuts in the Torah? Only in contexts where the haircut is making somebody look disgusting and look less beautiful than they were. Nazir, now the Gemara Nazir, Gemara Nazir tells us the story. There was a beautiful Nazir with long hair, and he says, Oh, I'm going to become a Nazir. They say, Why? Because I felt the Yitzhahara coming onto me with my long locks. I'm going to cut it off. And also by Yefas Toar. Yefas Toar, Rashi says, Vigilchas Rosha, why do you shave her head? Kadela To be Manavel her. Right, so you see a haircut is just the opposite. So he says, maybe I'll of Jewish. What is the possible, what does it mean that they, Yosef cut his hair beforehand? Because he doesn't want to look presentable. He doesn't want to look kept. And what does it mean by Yechalef Simlosav? He puts, he puts on, you know, clothing that are disheveled. That's what it means. What does it mean? He switched his clothing. It means he put the right foot shoe on the left foot and, and he put his sleeves in wrong, that he looks totally unpresentable. And now he's going to go to Paro. Paro's going to think he's a nobody. And now he's going to interpret the dreams. That's the message that he's trying to tell them. And don't believe these Khartoumim who think they're so great because they wear the Itztola de Rabanusa of Egypt. He says, Asa Kolaish Talos, line 31. To do just the opposite. And when he comes in front of Paro on the outside, he looks like a fool. The Alkane managed to meet Paro and Bong Paro hears about it. So what does he say? Now read the Pasik. Hanimsa Kaze Isha Sharuachalokim Bo inside of him. Because now I realize that you gotta look inside a person to see his true colors. You can't judge based on the outside. That's why by Galach, by Khalif Simlosav, just the opposite. We usually interpreted, oh, he got a haircut, right? The Chazal say it was Rosh Hashanah, so you have to get dressed for Rosh Hashanah, you got to dress properly. So by Galach, by Khalif Simlosav, just the opposite. He did it to dishevel himself, and in that way, show Paro and Mitzrayim, Altus Takel Bakankan, Ella Bemashi Yishma. Two Pshatim from Rav Yosef the Okay, skipping now to later in the Parsha. Again, these Parshias, just, uh, a lot to talk about. Perak Memalif. So now the brothers go down to Mitzrayim. And there's no food. Yosef at this time already is second in command. Perak Membez. This is now after the brothers came in. Yosef recognizes them. They don't recognize him. After Hamishi. Vayomur Ishalachiv. After Yosef says, If you are really brothers, okay, then bring, bring your other brother down. The threat of Binyamin. And there, here the brothers all of a sudden say, we messed up. The brothers admit their guilt. Pasuk Chav Aleph. This is the first we have it. They felt bad by Yaakov, but not really. Here they say it. We're guilty. 
we saw that Saras that he was in, we heard him screaming from the pit. They probably heard him screaming. There's snakes and scorpions down here! Save me! Right? Nothing. They were busy having a suda. We didn't have Rachmanus. Right, he begged us, we didn't listen. By the way, tomorrow's daf, we're not talking about it now, we don't have time. Tomorrow's daf is going to talk about the next Pasik. Ruvain says, don't worry, my two sons will be killed. You know, if, uh, if I don't bring Binyamin if I don't bring Binyamin back. And Yaakov says, Bukhar Shota, they're my grandchildren, they're not just your sons. What kind of what kind of uh, ploy is Ruben using? We're gonna listen to tomorrow's Dafyomi, Bezoshem. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But the previous Pasik, the brothers say, We're very upset, we're guilty. Ask the Am Simcha. Source number nine. We're freed. What changed in the brothers' minds? They they did something. According to Menary Shonim, they judged Yosef. They were like the Sanhedrin of the time. They said he was a Rodave, he was a this, he was a that. They had all these good intentions. They weren't a Rushayim, they were the shift they cut. So what changed? The brothers all of a sudden, what? They, they paskened wrong. What, what, how, did, how did this, this what they felt like Saras were happening to them? So, oh, we must have been wrong. How did they just change their Psaac? If they really judged him as a Rodave or any other uh, reason that they were allowed to sell him or even to kill him. So why is it? What exactly What exactly changed? See, he quotes a beautiful thought from Rav Nassim Vachtfog, who says, based on a pshat, based, based on a Gemara in B'metziah Daf Pehe. Look at line 13. Gemara says, Dila Rebbe hayu yisurin yud gimel shana mishum maisa. Rebbe had 13 years of yisurin. Why? Because of the following story. One time there was a calf that was going to be shechted. And the calf was scared and he goes to Rebbe and starts nuzzling and putting his, his face against Rebbe's foot, kind of snuggling up to Rebbe's leg, kind of like saying, save me, save me, save me. Rebbe turns to him and says, zil lekach notzarta. This is why you're in the world, calf. Right? You're, you're there to serve people. to leave. And the Gemara says, because he didn't have Rachmanus, he had Yisurin. Again, a very challenging story to understand, but on Rebbe's level, Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, who didn't benefit from the world even one finger, so on his level, he should have had Rachmanus. The question is, what do you mean? It's true what he said. It's true. Animals are in the world to serve people. That's the correct outlook that we have. Kaddish Baruch Hu does not say we should be vegetarians. Right? There's mitzvah in Simchel Babasar Yayin. Right? So what does that mean? Why was Rebbe punished? It's true what he said. Says the Vachtvogel, line 19. You know what you see from here? Sometimes, even if we are right, that doesn't mean that's what we should do. There's a higher level of being right sometimes, and that's having Rachmanus. But still, but still he came and he crawled away. He didn't want to. He should have had some Rachmanis. He should have showed some Rachmanis. Wait till tomorrow, whatever the case is. And surely to a fellow person. Even if the answer is A, 
You have to show some Rachmanis. It might not mean to change the Psaq. If Beth and Paskin, somebody is Chayim Misa, they can't change the Psaq just because the guy is, is davening. But still, a certain Rachmanis is demanded and that's what happened with that's what happened with Rebbe. And that's that's the meat of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Baruch Hu is, even though many times we're Chayim for certain, certain, certain punishment, but, you know, he listens to us. I didn't get a chance to bring it, but... My, my brother-in-law, they have a little book in their house called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And it's all small stuff. Little book, you get it on Amazon, I'm sure. And it's like a page and a half, each chapter, a little message about life. One of the names of the chapters, it caught my eye, it's amazing. One of the names of the chapters is, You Could Be Right or You Could Be Kind. That's the name of the chapter. How many times do we tell our children, do we tell ourselves, right, so one says, another one says, you know, gives an answer. And we tell, and the other person says, feels bad. We, you're right, fine, but stop it already. Okay, you're right, enough. Have some Rachmanis. Even if we're right sometimes, there's a higher value. We could keep it to ourselves. So what? We know we're right. Good, we're right. But if we keep it to ourselves and we're kind, that's what a Kaddish Baruch Hu demands of us. If there's a mistake, we have to correct it. Okay, we say it once. But to keep rubbing it in, even if we're right, we have to be kind. Says the Yam Simcha, look at the Pasuk. The brothers don't say we're guilty because we sold him. The Pasuk says we're guilty because we didn't listen to his cries and have Rahmanis on him. He was a Rodaif. He was Chayiv. We're not changing our Psaq. It's true what we Paskins. But still, there's a higher level demanded, and that's of Rahmanis. The last paragraph, Ashtanicha. They realize based on these tsaris that are happening, right? This this viceroy is taking special interest in them. There are thousands of people coming into Egypt. It must be from Akadish Baruch Hu. Why? We're not changing our psak, but we realize we should have showed some more Rahmanis. Just like Rebbe in the in the story. Okay, one final thought for the night, Hanukkah related. And that's when the Chidush Yerim. Chidush Yerim is quoted on the back page from the Sefer Lechav Alibov. They put out this year from Avram Shur, Lechav Alibov, just on Hanukkah. But this is from his Sefer on Mamari Shabbos Kodesh on Parshas Miketz. Quotes there dealing with the Machlokas that many are familiar with. How we're supposed to light the Hanukkah candles tonight, as we see, we have six candles because we light according to Beis Hillel. Beishamah would have three tonight. Beishamah would have three candles tonight, two tomorrow night, and one Friday night. So we light from one to eight and not from eight to one. And that's one of the Ramazim in the word Hanukkah, Ches Neres Beis Hillel. That's one of the Ramazim of Hanukkah I think we mentioned uh, last week. But the Chlishi Arim, uh, the Tzvah quotes Chlishi Arim, right, his grandfather, uh, that maybe there's a deeper message behind the 1 to 8 versus 8 to 1. These two ways of lighting reflect maybe about Bishama and Bishil themselves, but two drachim and avodas Hashem. On the top of the back page. Fire, as we know, has two powers. Yesh Eish Hasoref, Vyesh Or Hameir. Fire burns and fire lights. 
It's a beautiful fire, but it's also scary. We keep children away because it can burn. Nick Rebelashon quotes a Zohar related to this, but that's the Koach of Fire, opposite. Skipping down. These are two Avodos. Avoda shall sur meira, avoda shall asetov. Are we trying to burn out the negative? Or are we trying to just add on and add on light and add on more light and make it shine brighter? Beishamai is midas hadin. Din is thought out, logical, tit for tat, exactly what should be done. Naturally, what should be done? Sur meirava asetov. That's the pasik. First, you got rid of got rid of sur meira. If you come into a messy room, right before you want to add something to the room to make it look beautiful, first you got to clean up the mess. Sur meira, and then the asetov. Al pidin. Midas hadin, that's what's required. That's beishamai, and therefore, you like from 8 to 1, you remove a little bit every day. You burn out a little bit. The sur meira. Before you get to the knisa, you got to get rid of the ra. And that's why you focus on the, you like Hanukkah candles, but it's the, you focus on the koach of Eish hasorif that burns out. You start off with a lot of ra. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, until there's no ra left, there's only tov. Only tov is left. You focus on that koach of a fire. You gotta get rid of the ra, then memewa, by the vacuum will be, will fill, be filled up with tov. Fifteen, ubeis hillel, shitasa, ubeis hillel says no. Ubeis hillel we know, symbolizing chesed, asay tov. You're right, there's terrible darkness out there, but how do you get rid of the darkness? You get rid of the darkness by adding or. The more light that you have, that'll get rid of the rav. Just add on tov and add on tov. Right? Leos makarvan la Torah. Just add on or. And that's base Hillel. One, two, three, four. You focus on the koach of lighting of the menorah and not just the koach of burning. And then he even adds at the end that by the end of Hanukkah, you have you both achieve the same results. Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. Beis Hillel did it through Hosafas Ha'or. Beis Shammai through Bir Hara. But by the end of Hanukkah, one's lining one, one's lining eight, but the same goal is achieved. You're left with Tov. Either by the Tov totally wiping out the Ra that's there, or by removing the Ra. But he says maybe this could be alluded to and found in the laning towards the end of Hanukkah. Because first he adds in one more point, line 15 and 16. Menashe and Ephraim, the two sons of Yosef. Yosef, who we always read about over Hanukkah, split into Menashe and Ephraim. These two names themselves symbolize the Surmei Rav Tov. What's Menashe? Menashe, Hashem, Kinashani Elohim et Ali. Hashem caused me to forget all my Tsaris. Nashani Elohim, forgetting it, getting rid of it. Surmei Rav, that's Menashe. Ephraim ki Ephrani Hashem Beretz on ye. Hafraya Puravu Asetov Expansion. That's Ephraim and Menashe. And that he says could even be, maybe we'll, we'll connect this back again, Parshas Vayachi. The Machlokas, who should get the brachas first? The right hand, the left hand, switching the hands, Yosef and Yaakov have a whole discussion in there. Maybe that issue was about who should go first? Do you do the Menashe first, the Surmeira? Or Yaakov says, no, I'm going to put my right hand on Ephraim. Asetov first, Ephraim. But who is the seventh and eighth Nasi 
that we read in the last two days of Hanukkah, once we reach the goal, the end, right, the eighth day, Hanukkah, is Menashe, Nasi Levnei Menashe. He doesn't add it, but I looked it up. The seventh day is Ephraim. So by the last two days of Hanukkah, yes, they have different drachim and how to get there. But both Menashe and Ephraim are achieved. Both the Sur Meiran, the Asei Tov, and left in Klai Yisrael is only the Or. The Or of the the Or of the candles, the Or of the Chashmonoim, the Or of Yeshua Hashem. Um, there are just different ways of getting there. Sur Meirav, Asei Tov, but they all end up Baki Shalom Vratfeyu. The Bikush of Shalom and Bikush of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is there at the end of the day. So Elu Ve'Elu, we say Devriel Kim Chai. Okay, we'll stop here. We have a free from Chanukah, Chanukah Sameach, the last couple of days, and we'll continue next week with Parshas Vayigash.